Man, I'm having so much fun. This is a $1.6 trillion industry. I'm talking about the food and beverage space. If you're not having fun, you're in the wrong place. Yes, it's hard work, but my gosh, the companies, the brands, the flavors, the experiences, the missions, it's fantastic. But some of the brands are different, better, and special. They're the ones who are able to really compete and vie for customer loyalty. Look, I know you want to make your brand different, better, and special. I know you yourself want to be different, better, and special. That's my mission. That's why you're here. Join me on this journey as I interview CEOs and founders from all the different companies within the food and beverage industry so we can discover what they're doing, so we can take that information back, digest it, and become better ourselves and to help our companies take on different strategies, pick the right technology, pick the right partners. And of course, you got to have great tasting food. You got to have great tasting beverages, packaged goods. If it doesn't taste good, you're lost. I'm sorry. You're going to lose millions. If you're new here, take the five episode challenge. Go back, pick out some brands and CEOs, some topics. If you love the content, subscribe. You're going to find it on every podcast platform once or twice a week. But I also publish them on LinkedIn because that's where we kind of hang out. So when you see it on LinkedIn, stop by, make a comment, share it back into your food and beverage network. I would appreciate it. The brands would appreciate it. To all my loyal listeners, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being with me on this journey. Thanks for coming along on this mission for the past two years. If you are considering a strategic job change, message me. Let's have a confidential conversation. If your brand is growing and you need to attract experts, you also need to contact me because I have created a different, better, and special recruiting system. I promise you, no other search firm in America is doing that. Who am I? I'm Tony Moore. I'm an expert food and beverage headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and I'm here each and every week Stay tuned for this week's episode. Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. This is Tony Moore. You know me by now, and you obviously know I am in sales and marketing, right? My job is I bring in new clients who need food and beverage um, expertise. I have to go out and find customers. I have to get them engaged and attracted. I have to do the same thing with candidates. Most people in the food and beverage space that I talk to and a lot of the people that listen, they're in the sales and marketing field. And I can just tell you, attracting your consumer, attracting your client, whoever it is that you're trying to go after, literally is the, the heartbeat of everything sales and marketing professionals do. I mean, it's like what we eat, sleep and breathe. It's like what works. Now, I've talked about Clifton Strengths Finder, you know, my ability to, you know, uh, adaptability. So I'm willing to try anything, right? And one of my mottos is act, learn, adjust. And I think that's very apropos in the world of sales and marketing. Everyone wants to try and adapt and use the latest technologies and tools that are working. And we just obsess over this. So I've brought in an expert. Now, I know, Jennifer, you probably don't want to be referred to as an expert, so we'll, <laughs> we'll call you a highly skilled, but I'm calling you an expert. Uh, Thank you, Jennifer Versace, she's the um, Vice President of Marketing and Innovation at uh, Schweed & Sons. We're going to get to that in a second. 
Um, Tony. But, what's that? Actually, can I can I stop? Can I stop you? Right Have there, I already Tony? gaffed the name? Yeah, the name is Schweid, like open wide, Schweid and Sons. So normally I would edit this, but you see, this is what I do. This is what I do. I knew I was going to mess this up. I knew I was. Well, if it makes you feel better, you're not the only one. <laughs> I have heard so many different variations of Schweid. People say it's Schweid. People say it's Schweid. Anything but Schweid. And when I first joined the company, that became one of the biggest challenges that I wanted to overcome. So up until that point, they had never worked on an advertising campaign with one overall brand-driven message. Everything up until that point had been product-driven. And as a result, if you asked consumers about our brand, they would always answer, oh, are you the burger in, in that craft sleeve? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know your brand. So they knew us by our packaging, but they didn't know us by our brand. And that was a problem because packaging can be easily duplicated. And many of our competitors were starting to do just that. So it was the right time to pivot. And we needed to focus more on a brand-driven message versus product-driven. And the other thing uh, that I wanted to focus on was an emotional connection. So much of successful marketing is moving toward the direction of creating that emotional connection and visualizing the brand with a human element. Up until that point, we had only shown mouth-watering, mouth delicious-looking burgers, but we never showed people eating the burgers. The idea was to convey that when you bite into a Schwein and Sons burger, you know that you are eating the very best. And this makes you happy and proud to share it with others. So I enlisted help from the team that helped launch the brand at retail. And we went through a lot of um, executions of different ideas and we landed on hashtag open wide. And that is spelled W-E-I-D. And it's intentionally misspelled to play on our brand name in a clever and ideally in an unforgettable way, right? So every marketer wants to develop a brand positioning that is truly differentiating and ownable. And one way to certainly do that is to use your own brand name in your messaging communication because that can't be copied. So we took that idea and developed different consumer communications around uh, people interacting and engaging with the burgers. And we then developed a marketing strategy around that. Uh, we worked with paid media or media and own media and the open wide campaign has definitely pushed us into a new direction for the brand. Well, you see my gaffe just was the perfect entry point for you, wasn't it? Exactly. And we didn't even practice that. I'm going to repair my foot that I've just blown off. Um, we're going to really delve in today and understand, you know, how a marketing professional goes about you know, solving this problem of attracting consumers and getting them through the funnel. And Jennifer's got a, a great career arc, right? Starting at Walt Disney, into Reader's Digest, Kraft Foods, Pepperidge Farms and Campbell's, 
and now you are leading quite a large team um, here at Schweid and Sons. I love that open, open wide. I get, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome in, Jennifer. Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Are you, do you are you sure are you sure you want to go through it? I've already gaffed. Yes. <laughs> so we'll continue. It's, it's a marketing error, you know, but see, you, you're a marketing professional, so you know how to adjust. Um, well, you actually set it up very well for me for what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about later. <laughs> Everyone will be clear now why I have the communication strategy that I do. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what we really do want to delve into. But tell us a little bit about about your brand and in general, what is the business model for your company and, and your brand for people who don't know? Sure. So Schweid and Sons is a family-owned, high-quality ground beef purveyor with four generations of success in the meat industry. We supply premium ground beef to supermarkets, restaurants, and special events nationwide. So when you say special events, what would that be like a giant barbecue festival or something? Or Yes. One of the festivals that we host every year is the South Beach Wine and Food Festival in Miami. They have an annual burger bash, and we are the beef sponsor. Ooh, a burger bash. That sounds really good. This is not a good time for me to be on a diet. I'm on a carb restriction diet, so I would have to do like the lettuce wrap around that. But I got to tell you, burgers just don't taste the same around lettuce. So I'll tell you, it's definitely a challenge on my side too. Uh, When I joined this company, I was eating way too many burgers, uh, but but I can't scale back because it's all about my product. So I found creative ways to still keep it in the weekly rotation. And I'll tell you, lettuce burgers aren't so bad. They're pretty good, actually. You know, once you I mean, you're eating high quality food. And so once you kind of train yourself to get off of carbs or something that you just want to cut out, as long as you're eating good, good quality, healthy food. You can do it. And I've been eating all kinds of proteins and beans for, gosh, about six weeks now. And I mean, I've seen some pretty dramatic um, weight loss. I wasn't, you know, way, way out of shape, but I, I wanted to do this. So, you know, that's one of the problems, too. Everyone wants to send me samples. So <laughs> I've had to deal with that. Yes. Well, one thing that we focus on here at our company is using the best tasting, highest quality ingredients. And it's all about uh, the type of beef we put into our product. And we blend it in a special way to deliver a unique eating experience. So if you try us, which I sure hope you do, Tony, I don't think you're going to miss the bun at all. Well, that's that's what I'm looking for. So, I mean, we're going to, before we transition into our kind of brand journey conversation and how you communicate with all the consumers that are across so many different platforms is kind of mind boggling actually when you think about where all these consumers can come in from. Um, where can people find you from a retail perspective? Obviously, e-com, they can find you there, but how about retail? Yes. So we are in over 14,000 retail outlets nationwide. We're in the grocery channel, but at you know the biggest names, you know, depending on your location in the country. I got it. So it's more of a, like a, a like a, a product locator on the website and that'll kind of direct you? 
yes, you can go to our website and click on where to buy and there'll be a store locator that'll tell you where to find us and what store in your area. Well, this is kind of a good setup because this is really what all can, uh, all food brands want is they want the consumer to eventually come back to your website, do a locator and find out you know how to find the product. And I want to read for people a little bit about what you've been doing at uh, at uh, Swide, Wide, Swide. I have. Why do I want to say it the other way around? There's something about that. Yes, <laughs> it, there is something about that. Okay, so you have doubled the brand size. You've gained number one market share at retail with the development of this. Uh, advertising campaign that we were talking about, the Open Wide, this integrated marketing activation program, which we're going to get into. There's a lot to unpack. Unpack. You've got this, you know, top to bottom of the entire marketing funnel through Google, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, SEM, um, your website, emailing, Amazon, Instacart, Etailer. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Partnerships, KPI analytics. So. You're the right person for us to kind of understand like the customer journey, the brand journey. So where does someone start who wants to begin to, you know, start communicating with people online and and bringing them in? Well, I think the first thing to consider is what is your, what's your strategy? It's very very important to begin with planning and what the strategy is overall for the brand. So if you're earlier in the life cycle of the brand, for example, if you've just launched and you're new to the scene, your primary objective might be to drive awareness and trial. If you're a more mature brand and people are more familiar with you, your primary objective might be retention and loyalty. So first, it's important to understand what your objective is for the marketing campaigns that you're going to put out to the consumers and start there, and that'll help guide you with what you want to focus on. Well, let's just say that we've got a a new product, a, a new category. Maybe we're taking something through a premiumization, or maybe we're bringing something slightly new to the market. We need to start with awareness and kind of work them down through the through the funnel, through the life cycle. Maybe kind of walk us through what we're you know what are all the buckets in the first place? You know, what are we looking at? Sure. So there's five parts of the marketing funnel. So starting at the top, um, the first one is awareness. And that's the moment that your consumer first discovers your brand. The next step would be consideration. Um, They're aware of your brand, but now they're interested in learning more about it before they actually purchase. Then the next part is more the middle of the funnel is what it's called. And that's the conversion or when they try your product and purchase it for the first time. And then going down, um, you reach your loyalty part of the funnel, um, which is um, more of the bottom of the funnel and then advocacy. And between these two, what you're hoping to achieve is those consumers that are coming back and purchasing your brand time and time again. And the fact that they're hooked they are going to then recommend it to others. One of my friends is, uh, he's in um, the food and beverage space as well. He's on the sales side. He has always been an like an advocator, like type of personality. So he'll work his way through the funnel pretty quickly. And if he loves it, it's like he 
wants to be an advocator. So he wants to advocate. And that's like what every brand wants is that free referral that someone says to a friend, you got to try this. These burgers are amazing. Yes. And, you know, the latest the latest research shows that people are more likely to buy a brand if it's recommended by a friend or someone they trust or a brand that they trust. So that's something that is really important to brand health is to make sure that you're getting those those ambassadors, those advocates to your brand. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the the golden ticket that everyone wants to acquire and they want to do it in a way that it doesn't break the bank and that you're not paying for celebrity endorsement because that's kind of losing its luster, I think. That's that that's my opinion. I couldn't agree with you more, Tony. Um, there is a time and a place for influencers and they can be important to your overall marketing strategy. But the key thing to consider is that you want that endorsement to be authentic. You want it to be genuine. Right. And that's where your brand advocates are so important. So take us back to the top of the funnel. So I've got a, a new product that I'm trying to bring to market. Walk us through some of the literally like communication or tips or methods that you use to raise awareness for your product. Sure. So this is what I tackled uh, really right from the beginning of when I joined the company. Uh, we were relatively new to retail. Uh, we were gaining traction, but we needed to get you know the word out there about the brand and that we were more available in more stores and growing from more of a regional player to a national player. So there were three things that we focused on right from the beginning. First was Google. Google is a powerful partner, um, an impactful platform. We looked at display, paid search, and YouTube and did all three, um, all, all successful for us to generate awareness. Um, and the idea there is that we used a variety of different advertising approaches to reach consumers that were likely to purchase our brand. Um, it's called our, you know, our audience targeting um, affinity groups. So for example, we reached out to aspiring chefs and foodies and the idea there is we would deliver them a compelling ad that had a call to action to bring them to the store locator page on our website so they would know where they could purchase us. Um, similar with uh, paid search, uh, we would buy certain keywords like find the best burgers near me. And we would deliver those same groups and an ad um, through the search function. And then YouTube has been a great platform for us as well. Uh, we've used, you know, six-second bumper ads and in-stream ads, also targeting audience segments and market segments that align with our brands and align with our core consumer. And we deliver those ads when they're watching relevant videos like grilling. So that's that's interesting. So you went for chefs and foodies. You, that's kind of how you started. That, that that was your first entry point. We did. But here's a fun fact for you. The audience segment that performs the best for us are soccer fans. Soccer? Soccer. Go figure. Soccer fans <laughs> apparently really love our burgers. So, so that's that's the beauty of, of that that's one of the reasons why I love marketing so much. Well, how did you figure is, that out though? I mean, how did that trial and error? Trial and error. Act, so learn, adjust, we, right? 
Exactly. Exactly. So we worked with we work with Google, obviously, um, to determine uh, what audiences were first out there that we could approach. And then we just tested, tested and tested again. And everything that we've learned is through trial and error. And anything that was successful, we would put into the rotation and use more frequently. And that's how we optimized uh, the keywords in the audience segments that we were spending money against. Okay, I'm going to kind of nerd out a little bit, but I think it's it's okay because I'm tr- I want to understand when you say tested, tested, tested. Can you give a put, put a little more context around that? Sure. So there are different ways um, in different groups that you can uh, reach out to consumers and and get that awareness uh, through Google. So there's a display there's display media where when they're on the Google platform, you send an ad to them, you know, t- talking about the brand and then hopefully incenting them to take some sort of action. Um, it's called a, you know, a click through. And our action was getting them to come to the website. Uh, there's also the search option, paid search on Google. And then there's also using their video platform, YouTube. So what we did was we split dollars across all three and focused on a period of time where we were trying different creative approaches and trying different affinity groups and audience segments. So we know that our consumer target, the person that we're trying to reach, are people who are going to be interested in eating burgers, right? Uh, They also might be interested in grilling. They might be interested in cooking. Google has different groups that will bring in those types of consumers into um, an affinity segment. And what we did was we just continued to test all of these and then looking at performance, determine which ones did the best and with which ones we drove the most awareness. And the way we were able to measure that was the click-through rate on that call to action. We're able to track through Google Analytics how many people clicked on that ad and came to our website and went to the store locator. Okay, I know people have heard that phrase, right? I know people understand Google Analytics. They've heard that. I guess the question is, internally, how did you guys determine like what the right percentage was to show you you are on the right track? Are there industry standards? I've heard various numbers around this. So what what indicated success for you? Yes. So two things. Uh, first is looking at industry benchmarks. So Google and other media platforms will publish and provide to you industry benchmarks. So the click-through rates or you know other metrics that you're measuring within your industry and then overall with all the brands that use Google. So what we did is we set ourselves up as looking at the click-through rate. That's what was important to us because our goal was to drive people to the website. And we looked at the industry benchmark for click-through rates. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing was doing testing within our own execution. So different creative approaches, different call to actions. And we would also, again, look at the click-through rate. And comparing them against each other would also tell us what was more successful for our brand. Okay, so they click through. So that means you've kind of accomplished your awareness goal. Now, I'm I'm thinking back, you were 
walking us through the funnel and you said consideration was the next piece. I'm assuming, I don't want to assume, but does that mean like research or spending time on your website, watching videos, getting like, I don't know, reading reviews? Is that, is that kind of how you, you look at how they're considering? Yes. All of those things. All, can be all of it, right? All of them. So the thing to think about consideration is that what you're trying to do is at this phase, they've already been introduced to your brand. So now you want to follow up with more detailed information. You want to guide them and hopefully convert them into a consumer and by encouraging them to take an action. So often uh, what the ideal way to do this would be is to provide um, more value to them, whether that's in the form of, you know, educational content. So we are, you know, we are beef experts. So we'll use blogs and we'll post in our social feed about a certain blog topic, like what are the best beef cuts, for example. And once we deliver that, um, you know, that, that, post on social, we'll then encourage them to click on a link in our bio to take them back to our website to learn more. Um, Another tactic that's incredibly successful for us in the consideration phase is delivering recipes. So the idea is, is that we're giving them a way to interact with our product. It's something that's valuable to them and hopefully inspires them to go out and purchase because they want to create that delicious looking recipe. So do you have to get their email addresses for this to happen? So yes and no. So um, yes, email addresses can help. And it certainly is a way to provide content on an ongoing basis. Um, But no, you don't need their email addresses. So, you know, one area I mentioned on our social feed, um, you don't need an email address to post a recipe. Right, right. Or you just to put it into your own blog. feed. Mm-hmm. You, you just you just put it in the feed and you know you hope that they are following you or perhaps they come up um, in a feed because of they're following a hashtag that we've put into our post and then they come into uh, you know into that part of the funnel where they're now um, in the consideration phase and they're looking at the information that we're providing them. I got it. That makes um, this, sense. This actually, this has actually worked very well for us. We've invested more behind it. Uh, we're currently boosting posts um, on Instagram and Facebook to drive engagement and consideration. And, you know, another thing that's working very well for us is, especially at this point, is, um, give, is giveaways, right? So if they take an action, like, um, you know, tag someone uh, to follow us, or if they submit an image of them interacting with the product or a recipe, even uh, they'll be entered for a giveaway to receive free product. Who doesn't love samples? Apparently, everyone loves. Everyone samples. loves free. Exactly, <laughs> free brings everybody out. So then, obviously, they're at the trial phase. So. You know, if they have the recipes, you're really kind of showing them this is the best way to enjoy the product. Here's the best way to get the most out of it, have the best experience. I think that is hugely important. That's why you can't have everything as a sample product because if it's not prepared already, you're kind of up to like what level chef are they? So I know that's a little trickier. So how do you measure 
what's a successful campaign once you've gotten someone to the trial phase is it is it easy to track if they're starting to repeat is that something that that you track to kind of see where they are on that loyalty scale so that is not an easy thing to do with a retail brand so we have both uh, retail business and direct to consumer business and direct to consumer because we're tra- we're tracking the whole user experience from beginning to end that is very easy right um to see if they're repeat purchasing at the at the retail channel that's a little bit more difficult but uh one way to do that is we do purchase nielsen data annually and we do purchase panel data and within panel data you can get a repeat metric that tells you how many times a particular shopper has come back and purchased your brand I wonder why the retailers don't just openly share that with you and rather than making you pay for panel data. Is there some other – I don't are they just trying to make money on this? I mean you would – wouldn't you want that kind of open partnership where they're sharing that? I, I don't know. Maybe that's off topic. So you know, I don't know the answer for sure, but my speculation is is that they use their data for their own marketing purposes. And first-party data is very valuable. Right. So that's not something they necessarily job, want to right? give away for quote-unquote free. Exactly. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not their job. Yes. Right, right. Their job is to put the highest-selling, best-margin products on the shelf that are hitting those baskets, and that's the data they're using to do that to make them as successful as possible. And, hey, if you're not in that category, then you're going to – you know, you're not going to be – put back on the shelf. So it is, I guess that is up to you to, to purchase. Now that panel data, are you buying that from them or does that come from like an IRI or some other source? Yes. It comes from an IRI or a Nielsen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I would think there's a percentage of people that try it, that become advocates. And I, I I'm in a nonprofit. So, you know, my day job is I'm a headhunter. I run a group. Um, I also do this podcast. It's it's a weekly podcast. It's a national podcast. That takes a lot of time. But I'm also in, in a nonprofit. I'm the uh, grassroots coordinator for a, uh, a nonpartisan group. I'll just leave it at that because this is not a political type podcast. But point is, when we reach out or when people reach out to us and say they want to volunteer, I can have like a hundred petition signers and of the hundred, maybe 10 will say they want to volunteer and maybe one tenth of one will actually pan out. It's a very, very small percentage. Now I know that's a, may not correlate, but I, I will tell you, it just seems like finding people who really want to go out of their way to advocate seems to be a, a pretty small percentage, at least in other areas of life. Is it more or less, would you say, in food? I would say, you know, it's the same. Um, it's it, it follows the 80-20 marketing rule, right? 80% of your customers, <laughs> sorry, 80% of your sales comes from 20% of your customers. So the 20% are incredibly valuable. They're a small number, but they're incredibly valuable. And because they're more likely to stay with your brand for the long term, their repeat purchasing is what helps you um, continue to maintain 
growth in the business. Well, you know, you can have someone who's a repeat buyer, but that doesn't necessarily make them an advocator. So do you have any special programs to encourage that type of activity or behavior? Do you incentivize them once you kind of identify who they are? Yes, we do. Uh, so a couple of things that I mentioned earlier work very well when they're in this phase of the marketing funnel um, that we, you know, we talked about. So giving them engaging content, you know, so that they can learn more about the product, recipes, giveaways, swag. Um, some of them, are, some of them beg us to send them a Schweid and Sons t-shirt, for example, because they want to showcase the fact that they are, you know, brand lovers. So things like that can go a very long way in keeping them involved with you. Um, another thing that we've done, uh, we worked with a company um, about a year and a half ago where they helped us send product out to uh, people who were willing to try it for the first time. And in doing that, the only thing we asked in return is if they liked us, would they then write a review and would we have permission to put it on our website? So we've spent more time trying to generate those reviews and using those uh, referrals to our brand to help grow sales. I think it's interesting because it sounds like even though they're loyal, they're advocating, you still kind of market to them using those consideration tools. So they'll consider looking at all the other ways the product can be used. You're kind of like inspiring them, even though they're already using the product, you're inspiring them to use it in different ways at the same time, the new person is experiencing that same type of consideration. So it's kind of interesting that that, that advocate can still live in that consideration phase or that marketing bucket can still work for them. Yes, that's what makes all this so fascinating. And it's not, in a perfect world, it would be a linear tracking through the funnel. But oftentimes people are going in and out of the funnel at different points. And it makes it, it makes it very challenging, yeah, right. but also a lot of fun to keep track of. Like, yes. Where are they? Yes. Who are we talking yes. to? And uh, yeah. And then even, I guess if you have a, I guess if you do even like a, a brand extension or a line extension, you kind of have to treat it like, Hey, we're starting over again. You read my mind. I was just going to say that, but yes, I mean, even something along the lines of uh, product news and offers, right? So uh, we will, you know, send discount offers out to buy online, for example, um, to try to get them to, to convert to a purchase. But we'll also send our, you know, brand followers, we'll send them offers to try to cross sell them into other products. What we'll, what we'll tend to do, though, is a little bit more deeply discount to our more loyal followers as a way to show our gratitude. Well, I know you mentioned Google, you've talked about YouTube, but there are those other platforms that I don't know, I kind of associate with, should I say like the younger crowd? How do you guys <laughs> sort out which ones to put your dollars? I, I guess you kind of have to figure out where the foodies, where the chefs are hanging out. Um, are you finding some of those are performing better than others? Are there other platforms that maybe are starting to pop up that are maybe trending now that will be bigger in the future that maybe we should hear about here from you? 
Sure. So I think you may be alluding to social media. Yes. And perhaps the transition from, you know, Instagram to TikTok being a much larger platform. So in short, the answer is yes. Uh, Three years ago when I joined the company, the focus was entirely on Instagram. And if you're asking Instagram versus Facebook, Instagram is a much more visual platform, although Facebook is evolving as well. But at the end, at the time, Instagram was more visual. And since we're a food brand, right, what we want to do is make sure we're communicating our appetite appeal. So a visual platform was critical to the strategy. So, yes, we've invested a lot behind Instagram in terms of content development. What's the right content for the platform? Uh, for a long time, we were focusing on static ads, but recently, a huge unlock for our brand has been doing more content centered on reels and videos. And if you look at other brands and what they're doing, that is definitely a trend uh, for most brands. And a lot of brands are talking about that being successful for them as well. So that's been a focus. And we invested behind you know, paid media ads and boosting ads within our own feed. And the idea there is that people who have come to our website, for example, so they're aware of our brand enough to come to the website, we then follow up with a promoted ad in Instagram, um, telling them more about our brand, perhaps giving them um, some sort of incentive to click on and, and, and purchase. So that, that has worked very well for us. But as TikTok is becoming more and more of a spoken about platform and a more used platform out there, we're starting to consider it as well. We're not spending any dollars against it, but we are considering content to be developed. So we at least have a presence on TikTok. Well, you know, as you were going through this, um, one of my other Clifton Strengths finders is ideation. I just can't help it. I always get ideas and they're probably, probably not a good one, but it just kind of came to mind that you were talking about sending out samples and if they liked it, your only expectation was that they'd give you a review. You can do the same thing in TikTok, right? If you love it, it's free. I want you to make a funny TikTok. Cause yes, something like that, right? Yes. And we're actually, uh, one of the things that we're thinking about doing uh, very soon is just that is, uh, asking our followers to send us, uh, videos, reels, images, uh, whatever, whatever their, wherever their passion takes them and to develop, uh, videos of them sharing how they open wide with our burger, since that is our communication platform. Mm -hmm. And that's how we finish it folks. All the way through down to your consumers creating their own content, sending it to you, and then you put it out and it looks like it's come directly from them. That, 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 that's pretty cool. Um, it is. It's apparently consumers. There, there's a, there's a, a lot of people out there that really just want to share their content. They get excited and passionate about you know taking a picture or filming a video and they want to share it so we certainly want to see it exactly especially if you feature it and it's like hey guess what my my tiktok just got featured on blah 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 yeah it's kind of like a thing for them well um well so we're wrapping up now is there anything that you hoped i asked anything that uh, i missed so i think 
I would like to emphasize three key things that we talked about in summarizing our discussion today. So what I wanted to emphasize is the fact that a common mistakes many marketers may make is that they only invest in a few of the stages of the funnel and not all of them. So what's important to remember is that your audience and potential customers can be at different stages of interacting with your brand. So you want to make sure that you're doing your best to speak to them at each part of that stage. And if resources are limited, which they usually are, that's okay. Just focus on one or two tactics for each part of the funnel. Another point that I'd like to make is planning. It is crucial to define your strategy in the beginning before you begin planning campaigns and tactics. If you have not clearly determined your objectives, you will most likely not be able to reach the right audience. And the third thing that I wanna point out is that market message match is critical. So you can have the most engaging content, you can have the best advertising campaign in the world, but it won't perform well if the wrong people are seeing it. So make sure you define who your target audience is. Um, go beyond just demographics, also segment by their lifestyle behaviors, uh, what they're passionate about, and then make sure you develop engaging content that will then convert them to your brand. Thank you, Jennifer. There is a whole lot here to unpack, and I think people will be going back to listen to this a few times and take some notes. I am going to put as much as I can in the show notes so you can uh, you know, go back and kind of pull it from there. Um, what's the best way for people to to find you guys? What? Uh, just go ahead and give us the website again. Yes, sure. So it's schweidensons.com. And that's spelled S-C-H-W-E-I-D and sons.com. And there you can look for where we are located uh, near, near where you live and where you shop. Or you can also buy online. And um, I'm a firm believer. I've talked to you about how great our product is. Um, and I'm a firm believer in uh, you know putting your money where your mouth is. So what I'd like to do for anyone who's interested in purchasing us online, they could go to shop.schweidensons.com and I'd like to offer them a coupon, winning at work 15, no spaces, so they can try our product with 15%. Wow, winning at work 15, I am loving that. Well, let's see. And I hope, I hope everyone enjoys the product as much as I do. Well, uh, we're gonna find out. We're going to find out who doesn't love a good burger. Of course, I got to learn how to do it with, with lettuce. Okay, but maybe not everyone has to do that. Jennifer, thank you so much. So much great information here. Thanks for joining us here today on uh, the Winning at Work program. It was a pleasure speaking to you today, Tony. Thank you so much.